Ooh, the sunshine, all the water so fine. Ooh, see the waves fall. Don't you know the wind's offshore? Don't you think it's time to raise a toast to the crafty beers of the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, crafty beers. Hello, bitter boffins, summer ale seducers and lager lovers. I'm Paul Taylor and this is the podcast where we discuss Sunshine Coast craft beer, the breweries and those mad buggers who make the liquid gold. In the hot seat for this episode is Rupert Hall from Ten Toes Brewery. Ten Toes is one of the first of the Sunshine Coast new wave of breweries. Now totals about 20, but who's counting? The Ten Toes philosophy is taking a step back from the corporate life, and I think it's working. Rupert arrived for this episode in the quintessential Sunshine Coast business attire, a wet beach towel and Havianas. Uh, so here is... Nobel Beer Prize winner Rupert Hall and me in pursuit of hoppiness. Oh, and there's no such thing as the Nobel Beer Prize. If there was, Rupert would win it. You started in 2016. We did indeed. So Ten Toes itself uh, uh-huh. moved into the building then. Yeah. And so uh, this this was right on the back of uh, 10 to 15 years of all-grain home brewing, being self-taught, taking over the house slowly with all my brewing kit and basically had the dream to open a brewery and turned to my wife and said, can I open a brewery? And she said, do I get my house back? <laughs> I said, yes. So she was like, get out. So where was this? <laughs> where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Armadale, New South Wales. So yeah. I was a country boy originally, uh-huh. and then went off to university in Toowoomba. So, was there any home brewing at Armadale? Your dad or anything like Nothing that? Nothing like that at all. What did your mum and dad get into? Uh, they were veterinary, so uh-huh. uh, they, yeah, had, they, they had they, other drugs. They had other drugs. I'm all still say that, <laughs> but um, no, my beer, my, my love of beer just came about organically. Living in Tasmania, started discovering a few non-mainstream beers. Yeah, and going, wow, look at the flavours. So hang on, so hang on. You, you mentioned Tasmania there. Let's let's yeah. get Armadale out of the road first. Right. So Armadale was where you grew up as a kid. Went to school there. That's right. Left there to go to uni. To university in Toowoomba. Yep. So I got an engineering degree, uh, mechanical engineering. Did you? Then went off to... How long did that take? Uh, I did over five years. I had a, a, a gap year in the middle <laughs> where, a, where I went prof- off to Sydney. You are a professional uni student, weren't you? Oh, mate, it was a four-year degree, so I <laughs> took a year bad. off in the Not middle. Not too bad. But, um, yeah, so an engineer year is where I sort of okay. went off to be. So around that time, did you discover beer or did you discover beer before that before uni? I, I actually discovered spirits during uni. Yeah, right. That's and, dangerous, and isn't it? It is very. And I, I got into a bit of bootlegging back then. Uh, oh, really? This cannot be used for any evidence. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's right. But t- it's just but, between uh, you and I. But just while I was at what, uni, making I, spirits? Yeah, just fermenting, distilling spirits, making these pseudo rums and things and selling them and bootlegging them around campus. Is that, that right? That was my background. Didn't kill anybody? I know of. Because ethanol's involved in that, isn't it? But we don't want yeah. to go there. We want to talk about beer. Yeah, but that right. is very – so you were in, you you love that. So so an engineer? Yes. So it. you love that work and stuff out and – Process, process control. That's what fascinates me. So, and uh, beer is that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It, it goes right from the science of, of mashing grains, converting starches to sugars. You've got all these uh, hop utilisations that come in depending on the process and how you utilise your hops in the, in the process. Um, and so there's just so much process. You go as deep as you like. So you're in Armidale, you went to Toowoomba, you did your degree. You mentioned Tasmania there. Was that next? No, we went to Townsville first. Yep, gee uh, whiz. A couple, couple of years up there working for Queensland Railways in the, as, in the engineering department. Yep. 
And then basically from there, went back to Toowoomba again. Yep. Designing water tanks for a little while. Oh, really? Still not brewing anything, but G- the dream was ticking away in the background. I want to talk to you about cans later on. Your cans are just the most amazing <laughs> things I've ever seen. But we're not there yet because there. I still want to find out about Townsville. It was very hot in Townsville. It still is. Yes. Did you have a beer in Townsville? Oh, we drank plenty of beer up there. <laughs> yes. I, I can't even remember what it was. So that <laughs> was that's where my passion well, for what beer era was at the time. What era was this? Oh, that was... Oh, oh, 2002, Okay. So things, when I, so I'm 57, so when I started yeah. drinking beer, literally it was Forex, Forex Gold was on the scene and there was VB and that was base and there was Powers. Vicious and that was it. With you, 2002, you were probably, there would have been a few more beers around by then, wouldn't there? Oh, I'm sure there were. I know there was a brewery up in Townsville at the time. They're still there. They're yep. called The Brewery. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we'd been into that a few times while we are up there. And, mm-hmm. and even then the, the, the seed or the passion for brewing beer hadn't really sort of sprouted with me. Okay, so, so you're in Townsville, didn't happen yet. You went back to Toowoomba. And then very quickly we went down to Tasmania yep. after that. Who's and we? We, my wife, family, we, we packed up, moved yep. down there, mm-hmm. took, took my daughter, yep. who was all of two years old at the time, yeah, right. went down to work for Tasmanian alkaloids, opiates. Ah, oh, right. So processing poppies into and purifying and making all the white powder and oh. was working in a, a, a factory down there that, that did that. And what did that go to do? What was that used for? That was for medical um, medicines. So Right-o. opiates and uh, anaesthetics and all those wow. things. Wow. So we'll, Which they grow in Tasmania secretly. They do. Yes, yeah, yeah. they do indeed. So um, just driving around, you'll see the poppy fields. Yep. And there'll be a sign on there saying don't enter, so you know that's the stuff you want. <laughs> 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 but uh, it was an interesting experience. It was such a big process plant. So, again, engineering process controls and, and extracting these opiates and then purifying and uh, concentrating them. So you weren't hands-on in the building of these machinery. You were actually working out the processes that the chemicals took to get to the That's other right. end. So designing the process, the plant, the equipment. Wow. Uh, so, again, it's all a very process-based yep. background. Uh, and it was around that time I discovered beer. Okay, okay. And, and the... Oh, I can't remember who the brewery was then, Baron Brothers or something like that. So and it was a, sm- a smaller one? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So there wasn't much craft around at the time. Because what's what I- the Tasmania beer? It's still around now. Bogues. 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 And there's another Cascade. one too. Cascade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So at the time, there wasn't really a lot of craft breweries down there. Yeah. Uh, I think Van Diemen's maybe existed. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't a lot going on. So uh, this was in Hobart? We're in Launceston. Right. The north of the state. Yeah, sure. And then basically, I don't know. Somehow I walked into a bottle shop, seen a couple of German beers, seen an Australian brewery that made a wattle seed stout. Yes. And I thought, give that a crack. Yep. And just I started opening up the flavour, just something different than mainstream. There was actually flavour in the beer. And it was, and so from then on, it was just every time I went to a bottle shop was, what haven't I tried? That's, that's sort of that attitude I went about it. And yeah. I think today that still exists. For a I'm still lot. there today. Yep. Craft drinks today are still, they walk into this wall of, of different beers and, yeah. and cool can art. Yeah. And they go, what haven't I had? My, my, my wife's, one of her great fears, there are many, uh, one of her great fears is me in a bottle shop, not because of the amount of booze I buy, just I take so bloody long to, I've got to look at everything. It is. Just, oh, look, how long does it take a man to pick, pick out a beer? Five minutes. How long does it take your wife to get ready? Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just five minutes. It might take an hour, but it's five minutes. Okay, yeah. so you're in Launceston. Yep. You've discovered a home brewer called. Uh, uh, no, you've discovered a small brewery called uh, Baron, Brothers Baron Brothers or something, something like, like that. that, and some German beers that were you know, not mainly widespread in Australia. Okay, and I thought this sounds good. Bit of Google research. Yeah, and I thought great. All grain straight into all grain brewing. Ringing around home brewery shops, I found one home brewery shop that actually had grain. Yes. 
Oh, righto. Um, the Cooper's tins used to get with the syrup yeah, inside them. So and, I didn't yeah. want to do that. Went straight back to the source of water, barley, hops and yeast. Yep. Made a beer, learned how to make it through a bit of Dr. Google. Yep. Uh, and is that still the thing with the airlock on it and it, it plops away? That's the fermentation, yep. Yep. So that's the carbon dioxide coming off. Anyway, so the very first batch, I managed to pull some equipment together. We brewed it in buckets and ad hoc equipment. What are we talking, uh, 10, 20, 30 oh, litres? 20 litres, yeah, 20 litres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and crushing that first, I think, four kilos of grain, I put it through one of those little old tiny coffee grinders. Uh, I, I've used one of them for other things, but yeah. yeah. It yeah, took yeah. like three hours to mill <laughs> this, this grain. But I did it, I brewed it. It was an English pale ale of some sort. Yep. Um, and fermented it and just the flavour. So you said, so it would have sat there for a couple of weeks or maybe a month? Uh, no, a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah, it was done in a, about a week. Then Bottled ke- it. Kegged it. Oh, straight kegged up. it. Yeah, straight to keg. Don't worry about You bottles. didn't muck around. But I you did pro- Process, keep it simple. Normally, normally, you know, um, um, a mug like me would go and buy one of those Coopers or Brigalow. Brigalow was the big one. Remember right. the Brigalow? Right, so Brigalow was the big brand. Right. And, and you'd buy that and you'd do it. And you, then you'd bottle it. You'd put the sugar in on the top. Did you yep. do that kind of thing as well? Didn't have to do that. We just got the sugar from the barley. Wow. Right from scratch. Wow. So water, barley, hops and yeast, nothing okay. else. Okay. Yep. Then bottle it and then not wait the recommended time and drink it while it tasted absolutely terrible. That's right. Green beer. Bring all your mates around and say, <laughs> come and try my brew. <laughs> so you didn't do that. <laughs> went you straight went to straight keg. to the top. Straight to kegs. And, and it was good. It was it, successful. It opened my eyes up to what beer could be. Okay. How long yeah. did you do this for? Well, that was the start of it. Yeah. So pretty much at that moment I went, I'm opening a brewery. So, so I started crunching the numbers and doing a bit of research and finding out how much this bit of equipment costs and this costs, and it took me about oh, 20 minutes to realise I wasn't opening a brewery just yet. Right. So what era was this? What year are we talking about now in Tasmania? Uh, this is probably around 2006. Okay. I think it was around about then. All right. So your job's going good. Your family's yep. going good. You're in Launceston. I uh, starting to get out of control. It really was. The, the grain brewing. Yeah, yep. It was just Taking over the house. Started then. Yeah. Yeah, did some big projects with BHP down there, yep. manganese smelters. So we rebuilt some electric arc furnaces. When those projects finished, yeah. my mate rings me up from Papua New Guinea and says, do you want to come up for a stint up here? Yep. And I had two questions. I said, is it safe? Yes. It was safe. Two, is it, is it a dry camp? No, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I started flying in and out of Papua New Guinea. Okay. When I was back in, at home in Tassie, I was putting down home brews. Wow. Um, and just, just going to town. And and they were sort of ready when you got back from the next trip or something yeah, like that. so I had a chest freezer converted with eight taps on it and I had all my little kegs in there and just take your pick of what beers you want. So how long does one of these processes take the way you do it with uh, in the barrels? How long is it before it's ready to drink? Yeah, so for an ale, it's typically about 14 days, start wow. to, uh, from grain to glass. Even today in today's brewery, we, we can push that a little quicker with, a, yep. with process control. Yep. We're down to probably about eight days, grain okay. to glass for a lot of our ales. Right on. So it's, it's not a – we're not racing it through, yep. but with the right controls, you can get to a very, very tasty product, ready to drink in sort of eight, ten days. So, Rupert, you're now uh, you're now full on with your brewing in your house, uh, but yet you still haven't got your own brewery. What was right. next in the in, in the Rupert Hall story? All right, so we've taken over the bottom story of the house, yep. the back porch and, and half of the garage with yep. our brewing equipment. Yep. Um, and bars and, and boys' room and all that stuff. That, that's back <laughs> were, there, were there a lot of people around in your house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> were they there I when you weren't there in PNG? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But uh, it, it was a great – an all-in, like a hobby that just takes over. Yep. I, I 
talk to homebrewers now who are just passionate about it. Yeah. So it just takes over your life. Yeah. Um, but as we said at the start, it, it got to the point where I was like, I really want to do this brewery. I'd had a redundancy from the mines in Papua New Guinea. Yeah. So cashed up. So like, what are we going to do? So I started the business mm-hmm. plan for, for what became Ten Toes. Over that year, got to a point where we pushed that business plan as far as we could without executing it. Mm-hmm. it pretty much came to the point, uh, it was for one of my birthdays actually, and I palmed it off the wife, the folders, the business plan, mm-hmm. all the financial modelling and said, this is as far as I can take it without doing it, actually doing it. And you're talking about projected sales, amount of beers you're going to make, things like Break, that. That's right. Break-even analysis and things like that. So this, How close was that plan to reality? It was actually pretty good. Um, so the way we set 10 Toes up was that it was a, a, a business model you could t- ramp up and ramp down, and we still maintain that today. Okay. So if COVID kicks in, we just can dial back. Um, we, COVID has kicked in. It, it did. <laughs> but but in terms of the security it's of the business, us. it is. Maybe never speak about it. Yes. Um, so but that was the business plan, to keep it very lean and say, well, if we did nothing but just sell a few glasses over the bar, yep. at what point are we break even? Yep. It was like a keg and a half a week. And we said, if that's all we've got to sell over the bar just to break even. So you're telling me you, you could leave your job behind. Mm-hmm. You had a few bucks to start with. Oh, you yeah. could leave your job behind and just sell a keg and a half a week and you're not going to go into debt. That's right. Well, that's the way we set up. So very low risk. The capital outlay was very low. There was no no debt in the business. Wow, that's amazing. So you can run out there and there's a few different business models. You can go hard and say we're going to go nationwide straight away or we want to have a massive kitchen. You know, that's a different. So uh, you're still in Launceston at this stage? Uh, yes, we were. Right, so, then, so what happened? Was that Nexus? Right, so, so part of the way along there, I was project manager for a gold mine up in Papua New Guinea. I was flying in and out. On my off time, I was in Melbourne, living in Tasmania with an office in Melbourne, an office in Brisbane and three offices in Papua New Guinea. Just went to my boss and said, I need to move, relocate near Brisbane. Yep. So otherwise, this is going to do my head in. Yep. So, he's like, so they paid for our relocation. Moved right. up here, so we moved to Budrum. So now we're back on the sunny coast. Yep. My wife's originally from here. She's a Coolum girl. Yeah. And um, that was it. We thought we'd come back here, settle down with the family. And uh, that was sort of when the, the planning started for Tentos. So you probably partied at Stuart's Coolum Beach Hotel in the day, I can imagine. Quite possibly. So that was around about 2010 or before 2010 uh, you're yeah, well, talking 20, about now? It's probably 2014, 15. All oh, oh, right, okay. When we then flicked the switch okay. and started procurement. And that finalised with the premises you've got now, 2016 that opened, which is Sugar Road, which is at the back of Maroochydore there. Um, And you haven't grown from that. What did you start with there first? What was the plan at that site? Yeah, so the business plan that hasn't changed today was to, to grow that site to capacity. So add more equipment, bigger equipment, get it to the point where we're just busting at the seams. Yep. And then open a second production facility. Okay. And that's where we're at now. You're so about to do that. Some news I can't really announce it yet, but some pretty exciting. This is what the happening. podcast is for. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a news background. Well, there's the hook, line, and sinker out is there. Is that right? So, uh, there's some big things coming. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so we're just, just finalising a few things, and there'll be a fairly exciting announcement fairly soon. What did you start with? Let's get down to the okay. tin tax. What did you start with? Right, so as an engineer and ten, project manager. Can I interrupt? I'm, ten toes. Yes. Give us a start on the name. All right. Um, obviously looking for a name for the brewery. I yeah. had this business plan and there was nothing there. And I thought, you know, Ten Toes just resonated that one, it was an easy name to say. Yes. Catchy. But it, it resonates two ways with me, which is one, as a corporate lifestyle project manager, flying in and out all around the world, um, it was sort of the pushback on the corporate life. So when I got home, take off the shoes, walking up uh-huh. the beach, 
barefoot uh-huh. lifestyle. Keep it simple. Got you. But then I guess also at the time heavily into my surfing. So I assume surfing, of, yeah. yeah. So there is some connotation Hang there. Hang 10. To, to the coastal lifestyle, hang ten, toes on the nose, yeah, that sort of thing. And your and your logo's even a little bit like a foot or toes or something. Is that planned or not? Am I imagining the, that? The early the early logos were. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an evolution in our branding it morphed. years ago, and it sort of morphed to where it is now. Gotcha. So um, it's it's trying to be. I guess we're more resonating now with that sort of uh, pushback on the corporate life. Okay. It's like keep it simple. We're, we're the a bit of a lifestyle brand of whenever when you know, doctors and lawyers are all sitting there working through the week, we're yep. out there living the life. They would like to live. <laughs> so, that's, so we've pushed that corporate life aside and said, you know, we're just going to do it our way. So what were the products you started with? All right. So the we, products, that's yeah. not very uh, pushing Stop back corporate, is it? So. Yes. What was the what the, was The, the bevies, booze. the coffees. Yeah. Yeah, so um, back when we opened, uh, the craft consumer base on the Sunshine Coast was pretty tame. Who was so, around? Um, Sunshine Coast Brewery yep. is the longest standing brewery on the Sunshine and Coast. And Cunder Park Cunder there. Park yep. there. Greg Curran, awesome operator. So he was pretty much the only brewery and he'd been going for about 18 years. And he did a few point. good Germany style ones, didn't he? Very Czech, Germany. Yep. Traditional styles. Got some great beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess at that time we were the first of the new world Breweries on the coast. So ourselves and Moffat Beach Brewing. Yep. Uh, what was your Monday doing? Was that uh, up and around? No, they did start a micro brewery in a pub for a while there, didn't they? But that there's a long story <laughs> in behind your Monday brewery, and the old your Monday brewery's got no connotation gotcha. to the new one. Okay. Totally different entities. Right. So that's a, a podcast in itself. I yeah. Think. Okay. But yeah. So uh, you're at uh, uh, the the products that no the booze oh, you yes. started yep. with when you opened right. up. Uh, yep. Tentos, so I was quite adventurous in the beers that I drink. Yeah. Um, but you, when you open a business like this, you've got to make beer that others want to drink. You've got to cater, I suppose, yeah. That's right. So back then, the, the beers were not different, well, same names as we've got now, basically, same yep. brand products, yep. but they've evolved over time. So back then, they were very, a little bit more subdued in their flavour characteristics, a lot more balance in them. So we, we still had our blonde, which is essentially our, our easygoing lager. Yep. Pipeline Pale Ale is still there. As yes, it was. I had one the other night. Yep. Yeah, 4.7 or something like that. That's yep. the one. So easy 1.4 standards. That's it. Easy drinking session ale. It's got yep. those sort of fruity, tropically notes, but nothing too over the No, top. no. It was, was good, yeah. Sit on that all night long. was good in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was around. And the blonde, where is the blonde still around? The blonde's not around. My wife would love to see the blonde back. <laughs> It was a, a mid-strength uh, pseudo-lager. It was yes. an ale brewed just as a you know, mid-strength. Yep. It sort of bit off that, that lager drinker's uh, demographic as well as the mid-strength demographic, so put them into one. Come out off the beach maybe yep. uh, mid-afternoon, don't want to get hammered just yet, but you really want to quench your thirst, so that's have it. a blonde. That's it. Whereas now that's sort of been superseded by Helios Lager. Which is a Helles lager. Um, and that means that's the one. So it's a German style. Yes. Very easy drinking, not too hop-driven. It's just, just very easy drinking lager. Yep. Um, so we've got got me research here. There you go. Rupert. Get into it. So the, so, so the Helles lager, yep. uh, 4.2%. Um, very easy drinking. And it's, it literally, as it says, actually says on the back of the can, contains no fruity shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it doesn't. And quite literally, people come to the bar going, what have you got? And we go, here it is. Which is a real, a real issue, isn't it? And I guess that's why... Why the standard big brews aren't fruity at all? You know your four X's and your VBs because most people sort of it, it's not going to frighten anybody. That's exactly right. Whereas the more expressive of us with our beers love a bit of that fruity, yeah. and it starts small, doesn't it? It does, and, and then it it, yeah, and then by a year's time you're drinking really big, brutal stuff. So what what we've done as an industry, the Independent Brewers Association, and all all of us breweries now we've got that body. Uh, we don't generally use craft 
as as our word. Uh huh. Because the big boys can say craft. <laughs> let's stop the let's stop the podcast. Let's start again. <laughs> yeah. I think I've been mentioning craft or podcast. That's fine. That's fine. I guess what we we tried to do is use find a word that really said what we are and that the big guys can't use, and that word is independent. Yep. So we're independent brewers. Okay. So the big guys can't say they're independent because they're, they're not owned. They're not. No, that's right. So we're independent craft breweries. Okay. So you've mentioned the, the the hell yes. You've mentioned the pipeline. The blonde's no longer there. Which other ones did you start off with, or were they? Uh, well, we, was that it? Yeah, we had well, a beer we just called Dark. Yes. Which was a four percent. <laughs> Who was the creative genius who thought oh, of that? That was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm sciencey process based. Yeah. The, the arty side. Hmm. I need help. What colour is it? Mm, yeah. Let's call it dark. That's right. <laughs> so, but it, it was basically uh, based off a, uh, a black German lager. Mm-hmm. So just very easy drinking. It wasn't roasty, heavy body. You'd look at it and think it's a dark beer, but you'd drink it and go, oh, that's actually quite light. Right. So very light in palate, but you've got those nice chocolatey, roasty notes through, mm-hmm. but nothing too. So right. Very easy drinker. Can I just tell you the ones I tried? So I tried the Pipeline 4.7, so to the uninitiated, I would describe that as a really nice, tasty beer, refreshing. Still crisp. Yeah. But you do get that hint of caramel malt in there. Yeah. The crystal malt, but then those those tropical notes are there, but not to, they're enough. They're there enough for the craft beer enthusiast to go, okay, that's still a pale ale. We should but be having so some right now, by the way. Uh, no, <laughs> we're not finished. So the hell yes, it's uh, lesser in strength, 4.2%, yep. but would you describe that as uh, – I, I thought that was quite similar, but it was definitely a note stronger. It was definitely a stronger flavoured beer. Does that make sense to you? Is that? Oh, indeed, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the lager's uh, quite deceptive. Yeah, uh-huh. there's very little there for, you know, there's not a lot of malt, there's not a lot of hops playing on there, so mm-hmm. so things can get out of balance very quickly. Yep, yeah. right. And then I didn't know what to do, so I bought a four. I bought four different ones. That's all I had in stock actually, and the other one was the big vanilla. Porter, Vanilla ego. porter, and and then there was a, a mandarin sour. Yes, culture, culture kick, which was this, that version was the uh, lemon myrtle and mandarin. Oh, so I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do because I didn't know. You know, I thought I'd save the porter till last, but in fact, what I did is I I had the vanilla porter next and thought I'd end it with the with the lemon myrtle as a like as a sorbet. Absolutely. That's how I think about it. We're getting yeah, very yeah. wanky, Rupert, yeah, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. Have you got your man bun up? <laughs> <laughs> so those four I just mentioned, the pipeline, the hell yes, the porter, what was that one called again? Alter ego. The alter ego. So that's a robust porter. So you get those nice sort of chocolate uh, crystal malts coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we've we've soaked in their Madagascan A grade vanilla beans. Okay. I'm sure you have. So then you get that sort of bourbon oak character coming through with that chocolate. And finally, I had the culture kick, which was uh, lemon myrtle and mandarin. Can I say, without a word of a lie, all of them tasted far more beery than I expected. Some of the independent stuff that I drink can get a little away from the beer. And I enjoy them for one, maybe two. Uh, I reckon I could have sat on the lemon myrtle mandarin culture kick for, you know, a six-pack. Yeah. So, I mean, that that culture kick is a a kettle soured series we do. Uh And every few months we change the fruit or, or, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that one was one coming up to to Christmas last year. Yep. So I designed that beer for me. (laughs) Oh, really? So, um, yeah, a little bit self-indulgent, but you have to do that when you're on a break. And then you've got... Your more crazy stuff. Our um, IPA, Lucid Dreams, is just our is our house core range IPA. Yep. So it's it's leaning a little bit towards the West Coast IPA in that it has a firm bitterness, really hot. Driven. So I don't understand the West Coast. What's that mean? 
Well, East Coast, there's a lot of different styles of IPA. So India Pale Ales. So we're talking the United States here, West Coast of the USA, East Coast of the USA. That's right. That's okay. where that naming convention comes from. California, New York. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, so West Coast tend to have a lot more sort of... Uh, Marijuana hop. in it. Yeah, well, yeah. It, gets, it does get that. Well, the hops are of the same family. So they you, look alike, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you do you get that big, heavy bitterness, resin character on those West Coasts. Yes, um, so ours isn't full West Coast, but it's certainly leaning that way. Okay. So you get that bigger hot body, bigger malt body, um, and it really, the business lingers with you to your next sip. A bit Peter Allenish, you won't know who he is, but he's an old Australian uh, singer, songwriter, uh, dancer. He's had a big song called uh, uh, Bi Coastal, and there was a couple of ways of looking at that with Peter Allen as well, and he talked about the West Coast and the and, and, and New York. So there you go. Well, yeah. I'm going to label that the Peter Allen beer. There you yeah. go. Done. Okay. So there's uh, so many styles of IPA, it's not funny. Okay. Uh, and, and what else you got going at the moment? I see you've got a ginger beer. Yes, Sugar Road. Sugar I really Road. like uh, – is that – did you worry about that name? Well, it was it was very convenient. Right. It just everything fell into line for that, that name. Because that's the address of your of, of where the brewery is. Sugar Road. Yeah. That's right. Back in Maruchidor. And, and, again, the traditions and the history of the Sunshine Coast, you probably know. Cut. Sandy tracks yes. coming in, come down that, that – that road, yeah, into the beach for your surfing holiday, yeah. So that the cane fields around too, you exactly. know. Exactly. So there's the Sugar Road sort of coming into the Sunny Coast, and it just tied together for a ginger beer that is has quite a, a high sugar level. How important is ginger beer in the market nowadays? Look, ginger beer is massive. Yeah, you everyone's got different opinions on it. We 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 definitely have a, a market for it. Yeah, but the big boys are ultimately going to win that game. Are they? They are. Lion Nathan, CUB, Asahi, they've all been flooding the market this last year with their ginger beers. So we've, we've got one there. Um, we're, we're, it's available. We sell it. Yes. We don't push it too hard because we just feel that that skew is going to be ultimately won by the big players. There's, there's another ginger beer too on the, the oh. Sunshine Coast, isn't there? A local a local one. Uh, a lot of breweries have all got their own. Oh, have they? Mundy's got one out. I think yeah. Diablo. Got one. Diablo's one yeah. there. The big one that's really going to sweep southeast Queensland now is from Brewdog. Ah. Down in Brizzy, they've launched, I can't remember what they call their... Right, but it's a ginger beer. It's a ginger beer, and with the marketing cloud of those guys, that's just washing across the Sunshine Coast now as we speak. Okay. So very competitive space. We're we're actually playing now on this next week. Um, So stay tuned, but next Friday at the brewery should be our launch of our ginger beer cocktail slushies. Uh, just go through that with me one more time. So <laughs> ginger beer. Ginger beer. Cocktail. Cocktail slushy. slushy. So it's a frozen ginger beer. Yes. In a, in a pretty glass. Pretty glass yep. With some fruit. So two of them. One's going to be uh, like a dark and stormy. So yep. we're using a, a local spiced rum. Yes. From Sunshine and Sun's Distillery. Mm-hmm. And we'll also use one of their gins and we'll do a gin style cocktail ginger beer. So, you mentioned uh, your brewery there. It's also uh, it's a bar. It's a, it's an eatery. There's space out the front. You have events there as well. I've been to a fantastic car show there. Yep. Um, that was a bloody beauty. Just some of the cars that were there, and that with some beers. There was some live music. Uh, yep. It's it's a real it's a real taste of the senses, isn't it? Oh, definitely. So we're 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 a wholesale brewery first. Yes, but we do have the tasting room there. Yes, um, so you can come down any time, and if you want to sit around forklifts and, and just run you over. <laughs> slowly or drop a pallet of cans on you if you come on down. But then sort of the afternoons and weekends, we're, we're open as a, a, a essentially a bar, I guess you call it, or a tasting room. We're and you've got your trucks. own kitchen, food trucks. You've got food, food trucks, trucks. Yeah. yeah. So that pizza, guys, just our regular on Friday nights, does amazing hand-stretched wood-fired pizzas. Mm-hmm. And pizza and beer just goes hand in hand. Uh, Saturday's Chomp Burger, just another local guy who's just got a flair for amazing burgers. Mm-hmm. But, 
as we as we record this, so I don't know when this is going to see the light of day. As we record this, uh, there are some independent beer awards on in Melbourne at the moment. Big ones, the the ABIA, ABIA International Beer Awards. Okay, is there a G we, in there somewhere? The Gabbies or something? Oh, or? There's, there's Gabs. The Gabs, great, the Great Australian Beer Spectacular. That's a different. That's a different award, is it? Different one. Okay, yeah, and the yep. Gabs, you guys have done very well at. Yeah, with with the last few years, we've got a few of our beers up into the top hundred, right? and the pipelines are regular, isn't it? It is. It's been up there three or four years running. The review I read was that that's an amazing thing to happen when you really do only supply to the southeast Queensland region and maybe a bit further beyond. Certainly, not very many other places in Australia. How do you overcome that? If if somebody's listening to this podcast now in cold, windy Victoria or busy noisy Sydney. How do they find one of your beers, a Ten Toes beer? Mate, uh, jump on our website yep. and there's the beer finder on there. Uh-huh. So there's the map of all the stockists we've got. It's pretty well up to date. So this last year is the first time we've had beer off the coast. So we finally did a, we did another upgrade a couple of years ago. Yes. A bigger brewery in the same facility, in the same premises. Yes. Which has given us the capacity now to push us up around 600,000 litres of year, beer a year. So we're across... So let's go through that, 600,000 litres of beer per year. That's currently where we're at. We're about 20% spare capacity in the brewery now. So that's 50,000 a month, you know, if it was divided evenly. (laughs) (laughs) So so 10, 12,000 litres of beer a week. Yep. Um, And so that means that, you know, two, 3,000 litres of beer per day. And and they get canned on your premises as well? Everything we make is always made by us on our side, canned by us. And for those uh, visitors who are coming to the Sunshine Coast, you would think I'm describing a factory that's at the back of the Simpsons cartoons. This is quite a tight, small commercial building, isn't it? Oh, yes. A shed. Little little industrial shed. Uh, And we've we've just jammed equipment in there. Like fermenters only could just stand up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, there's like 20 mil off, 20 centimetres off the roof. So it is constantly going. It is a proper working brewery. You, if you go there, you're going to see it in action. It might not be a lot of action depending on what time of uh, the process you're up to, but it's it's right there in front of you. You Absolutely. can't miss it. We, we said that from the start, that if, if you go to a brewery and you can't see it being made, but we made sure that anyone who comes to the brewery can see what we're doing, ask questions. So where to from here? You told me there's a secret, and yeah, you blah, blah, blah. It's another blah, site. Another, another site. It's another it's site, right. Bigger, so 10 toes too. And will it be accessible still for people to go and have a beer at? Uh, so that's what we're trying to keep okay. it at. So we'll still have the, the, a tasting room there, mm-hmm. but basically just the production facility should push us up well over 2 million litres per year. One thing I haven't touched on, so I'd like to before we leave, your cans uh, must be the most incredible cans I've ever seen. And I also notice in your use of the words there, you do mention mind-altering and things like that. Your cans will get you there before you <laughs> open it. What's the story behind these layer upon layer upon layer of visually exciting cans? I think that describes my brain and where it's right. at and how it works. Um, <laughs> we went through a rebranding process and uh, talked to a few different branding agencies and a few different artists. And so we finally sort of settled on this idea that it should be a mosaic. And it essentially what it represents to us is picture an urban alley. Yes. You know, that little side street just off the beach road. And it's like just had 15 years of graffiti in there. Uh-huh. And it's all the different artists, different styles. And it's a history board of, of what's happened in our area. Uh, but it's just into that little dark alley. That makes, just, just off the main street. That makes so perfect sense. That's the sort of visionary we sort of got. And every can really carries that, doesn't it? It does, yeah. 
So it's got some really cool elements. The the actual um, cans themselves change every year because some artwork fades off and others that we've used in our limiteds join in the, the collage on the on their core range. So it's it's designed to be really cool to look at and from a distance it's still very easy to identify the product. Up close you can just sit there and look at it for hours and uh, each year it just changes and evolves in subtle ways. Here's to the future. Absolutely. Rupert Hall, Ten Toes Brewery. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great craft breweries in our region, crack the top off the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's craft beer capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too.